Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest all the way from Arizona, Ryan Englund. He is a passionate he is passionate about supporting uh, growing businesses, particularly in blue collar industries, to build amazingly productive companies by hiring the right people. Growing up, he saw his own father working 12 hour shifts and weekends as an owner operator, witnessing firsthand the struggles that these companies have in hiring quality frontline employees. We still have them. Ryan was determined to help them find a better way. His company, Core Matters, provides coaching and training on attracting hiring, and retaining rock star employees using his proven process, the Core Fit Hiring System. Small and mid-sized businesses learn how to start hiring better people faster. With almost a decade in the business, Ryan has worked with over 100 clients helping business owners achieve their goals by hiring the right people. Ryan, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Lance. Yeah, buddy. So before we get into what you do for entrepreneurs and, and businesses, Tell us how you got here. Um, tell us a little bit more. I would love to hear more about, you know, you watching your father. It sounds like you came from a, a family of entrepreneurs. And I find that quite, quite often people, some of the most successful entrepreneurs um, come from a op- family of the opposite, where it's like, oh, I grew up super poor, so then I'm this ultra uber capitalist. How did you continue uh, on that route? Well, I, actually, I, it's, you know, my dad was in manufacturing. And at the time, I didn't really realize he was self-employed. I just know he went to work every day and on the weekends <laughs> and stayed late at night. And I would go down with him to the plant. I was five, six years old, helping him with forklifts, rearranging everything. I didn't realize I was inexpensive labor, free labor for him because he just struggled hiring people. And I watched him do this as I grew up. And when I got out of high school, I was just like, you know, I'm not going to go in the family business. I'm going to go the corporate route, get my degree, do that stuff. So I actually did not jump right into being an entrepreneur right away. I went out and did those things first. And it was after my corporate stint where I'm like, this is nuts. This is not for me. I'm going to go do the entrepreneurial route, but still didn't want to go into dad's business. So I started a digital agency. And but my digital agency was all about working with home service contractors even even some other blue collar industries, but mostly home service contractors, HVAC, plumbing, electrical. And it was about four years in, all of a sudden my clients were like, I can't take on leads anymore. I can't do this new campaign. Like we just got to stop it all. And what it really came down to was they did not have enough people to service the leads I was generating for them. Mm-hmm. And it was one client in particular that kind of cracked this whole thing open for me, HVAC contractor. It's the middle of July in Phoenix. If you've never been here, you can literally cook chocolate chip cookies or egg on the sidewalk. Like it's hot. And they were having people calling them and they were booking them three weeks out to get their air conditioner fixed in July. And they're just like, I'm wasting my money. Like I'm not closing that. And I said, well, let's solve the hiring problem. And three weeks later, they called me. They're like, turn all leads back on. We got all our trucks filled. We got a couple guys waiting for trucks to come in. Like whatever you did, it worked. And so I was like, huh. So I started calling some other clients and they're like, yeah, let's do it. Here we are seven years later. And I've built a whole process around helping these small contractors hire frontline talent faster. 
how did you learn what you needed to do for them? I mean, were you, did you bring in any mentors or start reading a ton of books and figure out the hiring process? Like, like what was your sort of feedback loop? So the first thing that happened was, so I majored in HR. That was my degree. I was going to go into the people side of business. And when I worked for corporate, I was in team leads, operational leaders, those kinds of things. And all we, all it felt like I did all the time was hire people. So I would open the recs with HR and then they, were, they would line up. I remember one day I came in, there were a hundred people lined up outside the office waiting to be interviewed that day by different teams. And this is all we did. I'd 10 hours a day of just interviewing people. So what I learned was interviews are really about a conversation. And the thing is with most entrepreneurs, they're so challenged with time right now mm-hmm. that when someone shows up, says, I want a job, they're like, hey, you look like you can do the work. Let's, let's do it. Right? There's no conversation. There's no interview process. If they do interview them, it's, can you do X, Y, and Z? Or can you identify this? Or how would you fix this? It's all skills-based. And then what happens is they get those people and they realize they're not working out. And it's not that they're not working out because they don't know what they're doing. It's not because they don't work out because they don't fit. They're not the right culture. You haven't had that. You haven't created that relationship with them. And that's what I learned at corporate. So when I started doing this, one of the first thing I did is said, how are you interviewing guys? I mean, this was five, six years ago. Hiring was a lot easier five, six years ago. You could get applications. Yeah. And it was just, how are you talking to these guys? What are you talking, you know, what are you talking about? Hopes, goals, dreams, and just really understanding the person. And so it all started with my interview process. And then I had to figure out now, how do I fill up the pipeline, fill up the interviews and all that. But I believe that recruiting is a marketing activity. It is not an HR activity. It should not go to the HR department. You're marketing. You're putting the right message. Hey, we need someone to come join our team in front of the right people, a job seeker that's open to, to switching jobs or, or taking on a new job at the right time when you can afford it and they can accept your offer. That's a marketing activity. And so I was able to take my background in digital marketing and transition over into recruiting pretty easily. Nice. How do you, one question I have as somebody who hires somebody too is, or, or hires people is, so you talked about uh, the interview process and, and, and doing, trying to get them a little bit, know them a little bit more. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Like what we've tried to establish at our firm, b- both firms is that uh, like if I walk upstairs to the architecture office, I want it to be buzzing, especially on like a Monday. I want yeah. people to come back excited from their weekend, hiking, fishing in Colorado, enjoying their, enjoying their time. And, and it's, it's more than work. It's a positive energy that should permeate. And so, but how do you establish that in 60, a 60 minute interview? Like, are there specific questions that you think people should be asking um, to try to draw that out of them in a more conversational style interview? Yeah. So, so the first thing is I believe that we run too fast through the interview process. And, you know, most people don't get married after a 60 minute date, but in some States it's easier to get divorced than it is to fire somebody. It's crazy. Like, why do we think we know somebody and we trust them to be able to deal with our clients and deal with, you know, really our investment in our, in our cash? Like, we trust these people after a 60-minute date. And so I think that one of the things we need to do is really slow down that process. I'm not talking about slow it down and drag it out for three or four weeks. I'm just saying spend 60, 90 minutes, maybe once or twice with the person, even if it's in the same day. We have some clients that will spend three hours or four hours with the candidate before they make a decision just so that they really get to see them with their guard down. Like most people can fake a 30 minute or a 45 minute interview and tell you everything you want to hear. So that's the first thing is really slow down the process, get to know them. What do you, if if you were to recommend like, okay, if, if, 
I think part of it is what I'm realizing is maybe it does take more than one interview. If you were to structure or guide somebody, like what do you think should happen in the first interview versus the second interview? Should they even be, yeah. should they even be close to the same or do you think two different? So that's actually, styles? that's an easy one. That's part of our process. So when we get to the interview process and we're building that out, there's four steps to it. The first step is a screening step. Do you have the skills? I mean, do you look good on paper? Did you answer the questions right? Can you follow instructions? It's a real easy one. You give that to an admin and let them do that. But then the second step is what we call our culture fit step. This is a, do I want to spend time working with you? That buzz you talked about, are you going to be someone that's going to be able to create that buzz with the rest of the team? Or is it, are you going to be the kind of person that shows up late because you don't want to talk to our people? Or are you the person that's like not going to care and you're going to have other people that have to pick up after you? So that first one is all about, do you fit our culture? This is who we are. This is where we're going. This is what we value and what's important to us. And making sure that those people have the same, the, you know, the same value system. Then the next step is the position fit. Can you do the job? This is where you're going to do your skills assessments. You're going to put them out. You know, for a lot of our, our uh, contractors, they'll put them out in a truck and they'll put them on a job site for an hour and just see how they work. But you know, even when you get into some more of the white collar jobs, it's like, let's sit them down and see if they can use the software that we need. Let's sit them down and see if we can actually explain to them the process and get them to comprehend it because they have that background or that education. And then finally, the last part of the interview, which I think is the most important is what we call the, the pullback offer or the offer meeting. That's when you actually sit down and you have a conversation around expectations. And that is the one piece that I think so many people miss is they don't set proper expectations before they move in together, right? Like if you could translate this to a dating analogy, hey, we're getting married. We're going to work together now. What does it look like? How do we communicate? Well, you know, I, I joke all the time, like which way does the toilet paper go? <laughs> do we squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom or the middle? Like we have those conversations before we get married. Not, we don't have to have the exact same conversations, but yeah, conversations like that, you know, uh, what, do you, what do you do when your boss asks you to do something and work some overtime? Oh, I don't work overtime. Like overtime, that's not for me. Well, we're a culture where we step up and, and we do whatever it takes. And that might mean overtime. And if you are never going to put in overtime, that means you're going to be a burden to the team eventually. That's a problem. Let's have yeah. that conversation early on. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, if you had to name one thing, the number one thing that most businesses you think are doing wrong when it comes to hiring, what would that be? They're hiring someone to fill a job, not hiring someone to be a part of their team. Um. Right. Maybe we're coming out of COVID, but I would still, I think we're still in a different era in terms of all the remote working and hiring people that way. What are some things on the horizon that you're seeing uh, in regards to that as kind of we move forward? If you had to forecast maybe hiring trends, um, things to look out for, what, what, what would you forecast? So the, I think that this is my opinion. I think that the work from home thing is going to be short lived. I think in the next, over the next couple of years, we're actually not going to have, like employers are going to be okay with it, but I think the job seekers are going to start missing some of the, the, the relationships they get to build, the fun they get to have by being face-to-face -face with people. So I do think that's going to come back a little bit more to where people want to go back to the office. It's not going to be the same. I don't think it's ever going to be the same. But one of the things, so we do a lot of work in the trades. That's not work from home. Right. Like you can't build a house from your living room. Yeah. So um, even medical, a lot of medical can't be work from home. Like you can't, how do you, how do you change a, a catheter, you know, work from home? You can't. And so what I think is going to happen, this is probably going to take a decade to get there, but 
people are going to start to value more of the in-person jobs and they're going to start being okay with cost increases there because you're going to have to now compete with those white collar jobs that usually pay higher on the blue collar side. So now all of a sudden, yeah, it's going to cost you more to get your air conditioner fixed or to get your toilet unclogged from, from a professional, but you're going to value that more because otherwise no one shows up and you got to deal with it yourself. And so yeah. I think what we're going to see a shift here where all of a sudden those blue collar jobs are going to start to be a little bit more uh, cool again. Like that's kind of how I say it. Like we make blue collar cool again, but I think that's going to start with the industry's got to figure out how to make those jobs attractive again. And they haven't done that yet. Yeah. I really like that. I like your opinion there, whether, I mean, time will tell if it's true or not, but sure. I'm, I'm of the opinion too, that I think society you can only go so far in one direction and then it kind of, there's this an elastic sort of rubber band effect that pushes you back in a different way. It's just physics, right? Yeah. Um, this podcast is dedicated a lot to small businesses. I mean, under like 12 people. So, yeah. and, and even solo solopreneurs and everything like that. So how, if, if people are in that kind of a scale, um, do you have any tips for like small businesses like us to try to compete for the best people against medium-sized firms, larger firms, you know, the Googles of the world where that are yeah. like, here's free food forever and the couch and you can have a playroom and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I think that there's a couple of things. The, the easiest thing to do is really think like from a job seekers perspective, like if you were to Google your company and, and you were to put, and you were to go look for jobs would you want to work there based on what job seeker would see? See, I, I have this thing that we, we teach our clients. If you want to attract better people, you have to become attractive to better people. Like if people aren't showing up, if people aren't calling you saying, Hey, I'd like a job there. It's because there's something about your position in the marketplace that is just not attractive to good job seekers. And so don't put all your efforts into your website and be like, I need the website so that I can get customers. Really think about, can you use your website to attract job seekers? Don't always put all of your efforts into social media around, oh, it's about customer acquisition, customer acquisition, because the right employees are going to help you get more customers. So start sharing some more of that stuff. Brag on yourself a little bit. Talk about how awesome you are. Share the fact that you do a company event quarterly, or you have a company Christmas party, or you celebrate the employees' kids' birthdays, like those little things that you really get a lot in the small business world because it's so much more intimate. Be proud of those things because people see that and they're like, that's what I want. But I think what happens is as small business owners, we want to be as humble as we can and say, no, I don't want to put that stuff out there. I'm like, but you need to put that stuff out there. That's how people are going to find you. Yeah, those are great points. Yeah. And I actually think a small business could probably offer a better, uh, more at home sort of smaller, you know, in-person environment than maybe a, a bigger firm, bigger, the bigger firms can. So that would really oh, yeah. echo that. Um, you kind of already touched on this a little bit, Ryan, about the trades and maybe the way hopefully they evolve and, and kind of present themselves in a sort of a cool way and in a way where people want to work, you know, get down and dirty and do blue collar stuff again. Um Talk about why it's so hard, so difficult to hire in the trades. I, I also own a construction firm and it's hard to, we've, we've had more turnover there with who we've hired at the beginning than we ever have in white collar. It's just a whole different psychological animal um, for the company wise to kind of tackle. Like, yeah. I would love your insight on that. So unfortunately, I think this is something that the industry has done to itself. I think that I feel like, especially in construction, it kind of turned a blind eye on the changing environment 
and they ignored knowledge workers, kind of like how the newspapers ignored the internet in the 90s. Yeah. I feel like the industry, construction in a whole, not saying everybody, but the industry has just said, you know what, knowledge workers, they're never going to compete with us. People that want to work with their hands are going to come work with their hands, right? They're not going to go sit by a computer all day. Yeah, until you start paying them the exact same amount. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, they're like, wait a minute, I can go bust my butt all day, come home sweaty, nasty, do dangerous work, potentially deadly work for $22 an hour. Or I can just go stand on my feet in an Amazon warehouse for $22 an hour. Mm -hmm. mm, like they started thinking that and they're like, wait a minute. I'm just going to go stand on my feet and wear an Amazon for $22 an hour. And that's not even knowledge worker stuff yet. But you can be an Amazon customer support rep and answer phones from your living room for 18 bucks an hour. Like all of a sudden, they, I think the entire industry turned their eye to this and said, how do we not compete price-wise? But how do we attract people to us? How do we make our jobs still look cool when people are comparing them to these other jobs that are paying the same amount of money? And I, we work with a ton of construction companies. And I'll tell you that construct, these, these guys are cool. <laughs> like these are cool jobs. And the people that work there are cool. But we forget that that's what job seekers want. It's why the kids, I think, aren't going into the trades. Because mom and dads are like, no kid of mine is going to be a plumber. Because that's not cool because we have an entire industry of plumbers who have made fun of the industry. Well, we're the smell good plumber, right? We don't stink like normal plumbers. Like, what are we telling these kids and their parents? Plumbers are gross. But we've done that and we've never thought about long-term consequences. We're going to run out of plumbers. I know it's a major shortage. I mean, I, I complain about it on the Friday show all day long about what we've done as a society. And I think it's so detrimental in so many different ways. So I, I again, that's why I'm, I like your optimistic statement that you made earlier or thought that you had about hopefully we'll kind of, we'll move back towards that. Yeah. Um, regarding hiring too, again, so when people go to look for people to hire, do you have, do you have your own recommendations for where you think people should go? I know there's LinkedIn, there's indeed.com, all of these other sort of buzzwordy websites. Yeah. What do you like? Uh, employer referral programs. <laughs> It's the number one thing I like. Uh, I've never met an owner that said employer pro programs don't work. Uh, but the problem is, is they don't have the volume that you need. Mm. And they typically don't have the volume because you don't understand the mindset of a job seeker. You see, switching jobs or looking for jobs is one of life's most stressful events. I don't know the last time you did a Lance, but like I think back to my corporate days and I'm like, oh, if there was any chance that I was gonna have to look for a job, like I would just curl up into a ball and be done because it was stressful. And you have to think when you offer somebody $100, like, hey, tell your buddies that I'm hiring, I'll give you $100 cash. Like that guy's sitting there thinking, you know what? The last time I called up Lance and I told him that my company was hiring, oh, his wife got pissed. <laughs> she didn't want him to go through that. She's like, you stay where you're at. It's comfortable, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so I'm thinking, is $100 worth it? No, it's not worth it. I'm not going to jeopardize my friendship or my relationships with these people for your $100 bounty, knowing that you're probably not even that cool of a place to work for anyways. I'm just, I don't want to look for work, right? So we have these employee referral programs that are based around monetary compensation and they just, they don't work because that's not what motivates people. So if you really understand people's drivers, that's how we build really effective employee referral programs. What do you think is going to motivate Gen Z right now? Gen Z is a tough one. 
you know, they are actually stepping away from that digitally connected. They like the face-to-face meetings again. This is they, that elastic rubber band. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 They saw their millennials and they're like, I don't want to be like them, like right. my older brothers and sisters. And so they're actually, as much as they spend time consuming digital content, they want to be out in the world creating digital content. That's why you see a lot of these, the, the you know, Gen Z is about 24, 25 right now. And when we look at them, they're the influencers that are out traveling the world. They're not the influencers that are playing video games all day, mm-hmm. right? Like they really want to be out there interacting, engaging, and creating those experiences. And so the better you can create an experience for Gen Z, the more likely you're going to be to, to bring them in. Oh, what about millennials? So, because they're vastly different. They I are. Mean, yeah. So what do you think, what do you think they're looking for? So here's the thing about millennials, and, and and this is a stereotype, and I don't mean this for all millennials, but you know, a lot of millennials, they were raised by the community. They weren't raised by parents who instilled those really solid values because the parents were usually working, they were chasing careers, and they let the community raise a lot of millennials. And the reason that a lot of people feel like they're entitled is because they grew up that way. Like they had a seat at the table, they made decisions with parents. Like they kind of guided everything. If they wanted to stop football practice and go do gymnastics, like the parents were like, that's what you want. Let's do it. You know? And so I think for millennials, it's really about sitting down with them and saying, Hey, what do you want out of this? You know, if, if as employers, if we can realize that the average person is going to be with us about three years, let's sit down and say, Hey, over the next three years, what can I do to really help you personally as an employer? And then watch them take off and, and, do all sorts of amazing stuff in your business. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think you're spot on with the millennials. I think uh, we only have two or two, like two Gen Z's right now and one's leaving. Um, So we'll see how that all works out, but it's interesting. I I mean, we have exactly had those conversations with the millennials and said, look, tell me, tell me what you want and how you want. I would like you to be, I would like to offer you what you need so that we can build loyalty. And yeah. we can, we can kind of break through this whole job hop, job hop, job hop that you hear in the news all the, all the time, whether it's true or not, and establish some longer term relationships. Again, sort of like counterculture and move in a different direction. Sure. Um, talk about the, how time consumes. So time, it's so time consuming to hire people. I think Alex and I have at this point dread it. It's like, oh my gosh, we have to hire again. Holy cow, that's a lot of work. And it is, it's so much yeah. work. And even if you don't get paid for it, essentially, right? I mean, you're you don't. Not gonna see, yeah, you're not gonna see the dividends until like a year later yeah. um, after you hire somebody. So what are some tips you would give to people to improve the process, make it, make it smoother, make it faster? Well, the first thing I would say is it, ignoring the process. The first thing is figuring out why you're hiring so often. What we find a lot of times is people aren't hiring because they're growing that fast. They're hiring because they have inefficient processes. Mm-hmm. They're losing people out the back door. Like solve that problem first. So if you find yourself every couple of months replacing somebody, solve that problem first. Are you making a bad hiring decision? Do you have a toxic culture, a horrible leadership team, horrible processes? Like, what is it? Like, figure that out first. Because until you do that, we're just going to be putting more good people into a broken system. Is that fair? That's 100% fair. Yeah. So that's the first thing to do. But after that, I think if you can get to the point where you – invest your time in creating really good marketing material to bring people in, you will find that the process will go so much smoother because when the right person shows up, we just had a client tell us the other day, they're like, 
I have never had so many people say such great things about our ad. And there are ads that we write for them for their for their job postings are completely different than anything anybody's ever seen. They're like, and he goes, and I just enjoy the interviews so much more because I can see they're excited. I can see the passion in their eyes. I can see that they've bought into the vision just from reading one little ad on Indeed. But most companies don't do that. They post the same boring thing that HR wrote 12 years ago and, and that's what they get. And so there's no way to have that conversation. And when you get those people that are excited and they're passionate about the role, the process just becomes so much easier. And then it's less of a, oh, I got to hire another person that may or may not work out. It's like, ooh, we get to add another cool person to our team. Like it just changes the energy of it. Yeah, I, it, I, it sounds like it's, yeah, a lot of it's on the employer. Jeez. I mean, that's kind of an eye opener to me is maybe, maybe we should even rethink about how we're not so boilerplate because how, yeah. you know, I mean, you especially as an architect, like even if you have this boilerplate uh, job ad, I think you think, well, look at my work though and the portfolio and everything like that. But I don't think that's enough. Um, Ryan, this has been awesome. I have two last questions for you as we run up on the half hour here. One question I'd like to ask everybody at the end is knowing what you know now, and if you can go back in time to when you first started your business, what is one piece of advice you'd give yourself? I would niche and niche and keep niching and keep going deeper and deeper and deeper until I have no competition. And there's like 800 people that I can serve and that's my target market. And I would just, that's what I would do. And it took me, it, you know, it took me almost 10 years to get here, but we teach a hiring process to businesses with under 500 employees that are in the trades. That's what we do. It's pretty niche. That's very niche. Yeah. And it's I like gotten it. so much easier and so much more fun. Yeah. You can really, I'm sure you can really hone in at that point and on, on your clientele, the process, it's all going to be smoother in, in the end. Uh, you, you've been fantastic, Ryan. Thank you so much for being on the show. If people, if people like what they heard from you today, if they're intrigued, if they want to get in touch with your company and utilize you, um, and your services, how can they get in touch with you? How can they, how can they find you? Yeah. So I'm real easy to find. You can Google me, but the easiest way is thecorematters.com, T-H-E-C-O-R-E-M-A-T-T-E-R-S.com. And anybody that wants to, we've got a free masterclass that we're doing that kind of exposes what's going on in the world right now and how you can really stand out and be different. It's a training session. We'll tell you a little bit about how our program works, but for the most part, you're going to come away with some tips and action items that you can go apply right in your business and get some results by the end of the week. Beautiful. I hope everybody will uh, take a look at, at those links and, and give it a shot and uh, wish you much success, Ryan. Thanks so much for being on the show. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me.